Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon would like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free baseball cap from Alliance. Uh, if you're interested in that, go to marketingaxontire.com and they will get one out to you. Just send them your details to the Moving Iron Podcast sent you and send that email to marketing at axontire.com. That will, uh, they'll mail that to you and it'll be at your doorstep in no time flat. So, Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. For more information, call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial from Boca Raton, Florida, and he is nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great from sunny, warm South Kennewick, Washington. That sounds that sounds tropical. I'm not going to lie to you. That sounds nice. <laughs> Uh, it's unbelievable. It's the best ever. You should uh, you should have a you should go work for the uh, the, the Washington Travel uh, Board or whatever, because that that little pitch right there makes me want to go there. I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, come on down. There's there's plenty of plenty to do here. Yeah. Well, not every place is Florida, Sean. So I, I get where no. you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Lots of stuff going on here. Let's let's hit the uh, the planted or uh, crop progress planted progress report here from last week. Um, corn. Right now, that twenty-two percent planted. The uh, five-year average is fifty percent. There's a five percent emergence, and it's about a fifteen percent average is where they should be for the five-year deal. Soybeans are at twelve percent; should be at twenty-four. Uh, emergence is at three; and it should be four. Spring wheat, twenty-seven percent planted, forty-seven percent uh, on the five-year average. Nine um, percent emerged, fifteen percent average, and then the wheat is thirty-three percent headed. Forty percent of that should be headed uh, according to the five-year average, and uh, there's about 29% that's rated good to excellent. That's up from last week at 27%. And lastly, corn or cotton is 24% planted, in tw- and, the, uh, and they're right on pace where they should be. So you've talked about this a lot on here, Sean. Slow start to planting season. Um, your, your forecast for this week of being hot and 
drier and uh, and wind blowing. I've talked to guys in Iowa that you know ninety degree temperatures this week and 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 windy and those kind of things. So it's going to dry things out pretty quick. Going to start making things start rolling. So I guess looking at this, Sean, what are your thoughts there? And then talk a little bit about hitting that planning window and, and are, are is there you know some of these. Uh, projections that we're seeing now, you're people jumping on the the bandwagon of, of uh, knocking down the uh, the uh, average bushel uh, for the before anything is even planted in most places. So I guess as you take a look at that, Sean, what are your thoughts there? It's interesting if you look at uh, the when corn is planted. Let, let's take the just just let's, let's take the last twenty years. Late plant of corn hasn't necessarily yielded lower yields. Um, oftentimes it's actually done better than early planted corn. It really is dependent on the sequence of weather events from the time that you planted. Mm -hmm. um, early planted corn this year is actually going to do pretty bad considering what's took place after those early plantings. So it's, yep. I, I wouldn't get too caught up with the the plantings, at least in, in the modern age. I don't think it, it, it matters on, you know, it matters, but not as much as people think. And, and in reality, it matters more the sequence of events thereafter. Uh, the planting pace right now for corn is the second worst, I think, in 30 years. But looking at the window ahead, as you correctly pointed out, the next seven days, the next 10 days, we're really going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to just, you know, we're really going to get a lot planted here. And um, the one area that's going to keep missing out is the Northern Plains. They're going to continue to get a lot of moisture. They're not going to get rolling. That's the one spot that's going to continue to be an issue. And there's going to, if there's going to be a spot that's going to trigger worry, legitimate worry about yield and prevent plant and all that sort of thing, it's going to be in Northern Plains. Um, let's say, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, you know, that, that area up there, um, then it's spring wheat's really in trouble. I'm really worried about spring wheat a, a lot. I just, um, I don't think they're going to get it done. I don't think we're going to get those acres planted. I think we could bring a million acres down and, and then the yields, the yields will be impacted on spring wheat. So if I'm looking and thinking this through and yes, the corn up there is going to be slow. You know, if, if we're going to see, you know, an area that's going to be stubbornly not getting it done, is that enough right now to be bullish factor for corn? No, everyone's going to look at the progress being made everywhere else and saying, okay, we're fine. But for things like spring wheat, well, Casey, it doesn't look good to me at all. I really think spring wheat can act very aberrantly, meaning I think it can go up, up quite a bit here on this endless delay planting, um, even if the other grain markets are flat to down. In fact, we're starting to see that happen a little bit. And, and spring wheat's really cheap reference uh, relative to winter wheat. So I think when I look at all of what you just said, I think the takeaway is northern plains, spring wheat in trouble, and that, to me, is really what I think is going to continue to be the planting weather story for the next two to three weeks. Right on. So. Okay. All right. Makes, that makes sense. So, Because um, the folks I've, talking, I've talked to in, you know, western Minnesota into eastern North and South Dakota, uh, all the way across the Dakota, it's just wet and cold. Like, they can't get a break. There's just, it's just wet, 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 cold, 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 you know, ground temperature. I've Few more inches coming. Yeah. A few, another. I mean, they're just yeah. inches are keep coming. I mean, what a change from last year when they couldn't get a drop of rain until August. Now they can't stop it from raining. It's yeah. a completely, completely different year. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it is absolutely it is. crazy. All right, let's jump down here and talk about sticking with wheat here for a second. Hardwood winter wheat. There's, there's they're 
they're kind of putting out some some feelers that there's going to be this uh, improving crop. Looks like a little bit of the uh, of Kansas and some some parts of of West Texas and Oklahoma and those kind of things got some rain uh, at a pretty critical time. So they're kind of throwing their hat in there. Hey, we're going to see a little bit better wheat than we thought. Um, thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, look on the margin, we're going to improve it. The, the the devil is how much can more can we improve it as bad as it's been? I mean, you can improve it. It will. I mean, it's better than getting nothing. But how much are we going to prove it? You really, no one, no one can know that, Casey. I think it was at the wheat board goes out and does a, a crop tour late May. They're considered one of the you know the gold standard for doing winter wheat crop tours, and you know they'll have a, a say. And of course, the ultimate arbiter is the combines rolling and bringing the, the bringing it in and, and kind of telling you what they're actually seeing. So right. I think we're done with the weather market for winter wheat. Like we're done with that, and and now it's what it, what is it? You know, we're in the, we're in the, what is it stage now? And, you know, that's harder. It's harder to get the, um, the emotional response in the market from what is it? Um, unless we just get shocking, you know, the wheat board says, oh my gosh, you know, right. and maybe they, and maybe they say that, by the way, I'm just saying right now we're in a wait and see mode, weather market over, we're going to get enough rains to take that off the table. And we just have to see what the wheat board and what the combines tell us here, you know, over the next 30 days. But usually you know, usually the wheat board and the combines will say things are a little better than the worst case scenario than everyone was projecting. Maybe this year will be different, but on a, but typically we always find that the market is overly pessimistic on production and it comes out just a little bit better um, when it's all said and done. Time will tell whether that that uh, typical pathway will be followed or this is an exception to the rule. Yep. So. Okay. All right. Uh, kind of a a blip here. You and I were talking about this before uh, we got started. Uh, the Malaysian government um, has cut palm oil export taxes, so they are they're they're ready to get some more some more stuff in there. They and they're they're I guess they had a a thirty day supply and and they've they've run that out and and now they're looking to get back into the game. So I guess thoughts on that that little blip there. Well, you know, governments try always try to do things to say to the people. That they represent that we're doing something to fight inflation, that we're on your side, that we're for the we're for the the average guy out there. I'm oh, sorry, average person out there. I don't want to be politically easy, incorrect. Easy, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, you know, and, and so, but but the problem is they put this ban on um, on palm oil, but they only have 30 days storage cap uh, capabilities. I mean, they can only store it for 30 days, and then they can't store it anymore. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're getting you know, closer to the 30-day window, and they go, oh, shoot, we're going to have to export this stuff. So now they're throttling back those export taxes and, and trying to say, you know, the problem's been solved. We saved the day. See how good we are for all these people. And, and, now they're, and of course, the price is so high, um, you know, they need the money. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it on the table. I mean, they just need the money. So um, there was a big spike in bean oil on that initial announcement. And then, uh, you know, it was kind of a spike trade, and we came just, Back down as the market realized this wasn't going to be a, a long, could not be a long-term ban, you know. Yep. Okay, so just a short, short-term blip. Then, in your opinion, nothing, just a, a correction on their part, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we 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 had the rally, we came back off, and ultimately, ultimately, you know, bean oil is going to be driven by the um, renewable diesel policies of the U.S. I mean, let's just, you know, bean oil is totally driven by that. Uh, if the if there's administration continues to to be behind that and push that, you know, then the demand for bean oil is going to remain um, good. 
if they back away from that because of food inflation or the pressure or, or the elections, I don't know what, you know, then, and they back away from that, then bean oil has considerable downside. I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to weigh all that with, with, with the politicians are going to do or not do. I mean, we focus on weather, we focus on capital flows and, um, and we, and we try to focus on the fundamentals we think we can figure out and have a good, good uh, ability to give, you know, people a good view of what's probably going to happen with what politicians are going to do is a very difficult, um, very difficult thing to do. And, uh, other than to say that um, in the end, I do believe if there's enough pressure on food versus fuel, food will be what people are going to vote for. And I think the politicians eventually will have to concede to food over fuel, mm -hmm. which would mean there might be a backing away of some support for the bean oil, renewable diesel uh, kind of thing. And, and if that begins to look like that's happening, you know, we could see some... Uh, some setback here in bean oil prices. That would be my general feeling about it, though. Okay. All right. Last thing I want to hit on, just because of the time of year that we're in, we are either, depending on where you're at, either you're you're in the middle of cutting the first cut of alfalfa or you're getting ready to cut that first cutting of alfalfa. Uh, hay prices are really high right now uh, just because of drought situations in some key alfalfa growing areas and those kind of things, which has a direct uh you know, correlation with the price of milk. And if you look at price of milk here lately, price of milk has been bouncing between 22 and, and 25 bucks. Uh, I guess, Sean, as you're looking at, at the dairy market right now, is that, what what is what is that price? Is that price, is it a demand price or is it just a lack of, of cattle, uh, a cattle production price? I mean, what what is that, what's that driving that price right now? Well, the cost production for dairy has gone up so dramatically. Um, I, you know, depending on where you are, cost production is anywhere from $20 to $22, depending on where you are, roughly. That's the cost of production. I mean, that's, you just need that price. And that's historically extremely high price, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So, so when you're looking at 23 24 I mean, you, you're not yeah, making a little, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's kept back the usual, the typical push to produce and, you know, I mean, when we had these prices back in 2014, they were making five, six, seven dollars profit. You know, and so they did just put the spigots on and let the. But you know, the, the production is growing little, but it, you know the. You know, and we we did have that a demand thing coming, but the problem is, prices now are too high for the consumer, and they're pulling back just like right. they are in, in many things. And so, you know, I hear all the time for the dairy producers I work with. You know that you know the price can't go down because you know we, we won't make any money and and I and I always tell them on a short term basis the market doesn't care whether you can make money the, the consumer is going to go to the store and they're going to look at the price of whatever dairy products they're looking at and if it's too expensive they're going to buy less and they don't give a hoot whether you're making money or not they're looking out for themselves that's just the way it is yeah. and so I'm worried right now that we're getting a pullback in consumer demand that's going to last into the midsummer. And on top of it, we have these ongoing endless lockdowns in China of between three to 500 million people, depending upon who you believe. And the dairy demand out of China is way down. Prices, uh, dairy prices in China are way down. And GDT prices, which is the uh, two-week auction price that, typically, that is, is a measure for China's demand, has been down big the last couple of auctions. So I think we have a demand problem. And so I think these prices are going to come down you know, probably, you know, to that 1920 support. 
and producers on, on average are going to lose some money and that, but that's going to be the necessary ingredient Casey to bring the production back down. And then at some point, right. Unless China expects to have 500 people shut down forever. They're going to have the moment where they say, all right, we're going to reopen everything. And all these 500 people are going to unlock, they're going to take the bolts off the doors, mm-hmm. let them out. And everyone's going to start doing something, going back to work, buying something instead of waiting for the delivery from their app in the morning that the the government decides what their rations are for the day. And so when that happens, Casey, the demand for dairy and the demand for beef and the demand for pork, it's going to go through the roof this fall. And so, so this, uh, you know, it's kind of a down up scenario. So we think we could be set up for a pretty wild situation for the livestock sector, including dairy in terms of demand that could lead to a big surge of prices uh, after we get this, air pocket demand out of the way between now and let's say midsummer. So I think dairy is rolling over. If you look at any, a price chart, you know, we've been as rounding top and now we're coming down and, and I think we're heading lower right now. And, um, and I think that's just, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a negative uh, view for the, for the, for the near term, but I'm, but I'm actually pretty excited about what fall prices could look like and dairymen need to be making sure they have done enough protection to the downside to get through the summer but keep your top side open for the fall and the winter. I think they could be really in a good spot to really finally, you know, if we get, I've had a long-standing forecast for $30 milk, Casey, you know, and I think that's still on the table and that would give them the kind of profits they're looking for to put some serious equity back in the business. So, so keep your powder dry on the cash if you're a dairy producer, but make sure you can get through the summer without, you know, without leaching too much money away. Right. So, okay. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. All kinds of information on there. Let your listeners know what we do, how we do it, and if we can be of service. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to my LinkedIn page at Moving Iron Podcast and my YouTube channel, at Moving Iron YouTube channel. So check that out. Looking for subscribers over there. So if you like what I'm doing here, subscribe. Smash the like button. That's what you're supposed to say, Sean. So <clears throat> I'll get more people involved with that by smashing the like button. So if you guys do that, uh, go check out my website, movingironllc.com, where you find all the information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee. That's September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Sean will be there giving his forecast as to what's going on. So, Sean, like we've talked about here, we're moving into a from a La Nina to El Nino cycle. Big changes coming, and uh, we'll have a pretty good window, I guess, as we move into that time frame. Yeah, I mean, late summer into the into the early fall will be a really interesting time because a lot of the um, metrics and teleconnections and cycles that we follow are going to really start to be very clear, and we're going to start to get some very um, clear evidence of, of you know, what's going to happen, how the, what the changes are going to look like, who's going to benefit, who's not going to benefit, and which markets will be um, in arm's way either way. But uh, it'll be a really good time because they, I, that it'll be really right just as the more the El Nino pattern is going to be kicking in. So as always, you've picked a remarkably good time for your, uh, for your summit. That's what I do, Sean. I look at the weather patterns and, and try to decide when I'm going to do these things. So I'm excited about that. It's going to work out again for me, it looks like. Yeah. All right, Sean. Appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Have a super day. Right on, man. I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Smooth Smart, folks. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. 
If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century